Thank you. I'm going to put a clock up. I can talk really long, so I have to look at the time. Don't allow. Okay. Hi, guys. I'm Crystal, as Daryl mentioned. Um, hi, Michelle. Um, I know I've yet to be able to meet everyone's faces here. I tend to introduce myself. I think it was actually one time me and Noah were over by the uh, snack table, and I'm introducing myself to someone, and I was like, you don't know her? She's been coming for like seven weeks. And I'm like, shoot, like my bad. <laughs> so if you haven't met me yet, I really do want to meet you. Feel free to come say hi and check out the kids' room. We're always having a fun and exciting time out back. Um, I hope this works. All right, I'm going to put this down. Um, I'll, make, I'll make do. I'm going to put this down too. Bible and notes. All right, so today, we well, we've been, what, we're in our second week, I want to say, second and a half week of a 40-day fast that we've been doing. If you guys don't know why we're doing it, um, Lou Engel actually came to us about two weeks ago and launched a 40-day fast for us. So we're going to be going up until April 9th. And really what it is is it's a time to consecrate ourselves before the Lord and ask that he would come and awaken us in a new way, that he would come and refresh us, that he would come and correct us. And um, he's doing that. I mean, if you've been to any of our prayer sets, if you've been in and around our community even for the past couple of weeks, I think you'll get wind of what God's doing. And there really is um, the tenderness of God on us and his kindness to reveal to us where we've been out of line we, we, even even refreshing over us um, in so many so di- so many different ways that he's speaking to us, but it's so good. And I don't know about anybody else that's fasting, but I just I feel such a tenderness of God on my life. And there's something about fasting that sometimes I don't feel it totally, but there's something about it that there's just such a a fresh tenderness, and that's what we're crying out for. We don't want to be a community that just thinks we have it all together, but that we constantly remain before the Lord with our faces on the ground saying, we have nothing without you. All of our programs, all of our prayer sets, everything that we do is all in vain if we don't have you, Jesus. And so that's what we're asking for. And I encourage you guys, if you haven't started fasting, encourage you to go on to hilltopboston.com and check out the messages if you want to know why and just hear what happened with Lou and even with Daryl's message last week. And feel free to join in. It's never too late, right? It's never too late. And um, join in with us. And I promise you, promise you 150% guarantee you that God will respond to you. Um, Today, I'm actually going to be speaking on prayer, and um, I'm going to actually pray real quick because I need the grace of God. So, Father, we just come to you, Lord, and first and foremost, we say it's all about you, Jesus. God, I ask, Lord, that your name would be glorified in this place. God, that you would be glorified in our lives. God, we just invite you to speak to us. God, use me as a vessel today, Jesus. I'm fully dependent upon you right now. 
God, we just invite your spirit. So I'm going to be talking today on prayer, and I just want to ask this question. Who in this room, and we can ask ourselves this, I don't need to see a show of hands, but who desires to have authority in the place of prayer? Or who has questioned why they feel like they don't have authority? I mean, there's been times where I've prayed. I'm like, well, that just went up and bam. And then there's times where I pray and I'm like, oh, I think God was on that. I think so. I hope so. That's what it felt like. But I just, I want to ask this question because it, it's, I think it's important to ask this question. We're a praying community. We believe in prayer. We push prayer. We encourage you to be in prayer, um, both corporately and privately. Um, but one thing I want to say about prayer and how to find influence where when we pray, we actually see things change. We start to actually begin to see answers to our prayers. And really what it depends on is it's so much more than just a prayer. Is it actually depends on our lifestyles and what our lives look like before God. And I want to actually use, if I'm allowed to, use Jesus as the example. I've heard many times, well, that was Jesus. He was the son of God. He was perfect. And I'm like, well, Jesus himself said that we would do greater works than he did. And because of his Holy Spirit, we actually have the grace to step into what he walked in. I want to say that Jesus did not make intercession for us only on the cross. It wasn't just the one act of the cross. The cross is huge. Do not get me wrong. The cross is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But the intercession that Jesus made was through a lifestyle, a sinless, perfect lifestyle. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus could not go to the cross unless he lived a perfect, sinless, righteous lifestyle. Therefore, because of the life that Jesus lived, he had the authority and the power to go on the cross and redeem all of mankind. And I want to use that um, really as a crux, is that the right word, crux, of, of this message is that what we're striving to as Christians is to be like Jesus. I want to say that we don't make intercession just simply by showing up to a prayer meeting and praying for a couple hours. We make intercession by the lives that we live before the Lord. I think it's First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, it's 2 Corinthians 10, where it says we do not fight against um, flesh and blood, but against spirits and principalities by pulling down our thoughts by living a life before the Lord. I do, I am going to, I'm going to throw my papers down if that's okay. Um, 
Yeah, I'll do that. Then it won't become a mess. Thanks, Amanda. I do want to say that because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, we have been granted full access into his life. We've been granted the grace and the ability to walk as Jesus walked. I'm going to read something. I've been obsessed with this book. Izzy's God Love Izzy. We've sat in my room, and I'm just like, can I read to you? So I just, I'm a verbal processor, so it, I'm like, Izzy, even if you don't listen, it's fine with me. I'm just going to sit and read because then I can, I can absorb it. <laughs> I sit and read by myself out loud. Um, but it's actually the, it's the Complete Works on Prayer by Ian e. Bounds. I highly, highly encourage you guys to pick this up. If you want to learn the lifestyle of prayer, you want to learn the vocation of prayer, I, I, he's blowing my mind. I'm just like, ugh, I know nothing. I know nothing. And it's just so good. But one, one part I'm going to read out of it. And he says, prayer is based on character. What we are with God gauges our influence with him. It was the inner character, not the outward bearing of such men as Abraham, Job, David, Moses, and all others who had such great influence with God in the days of old. And today, it is not so much our words as what we really are, which weighs with God. Conduct affects character of course, and counts for much in our praying. At the same time, character affects conduct to a far greater extent and has a superior influence over prayer. Our inner life not only gives color to our praying, but body as well. Bad living means bad praying, and in the end, no praying at all. We pray feebly because we live feebly. The stream of prayer cannot rise higher than the fountain of living. The force of the inner chamber is made up of the energy which flows from the confluent streams of living. And the weakness of living grows out of the shallowness and shoddiness of character. I could just sit on that. <laughs> um, I'm going to start to really go through what it looks like to live a lifestyle of righteousness that's pleasing to God, that when we enter into our prayer closets, when we enter into a prayer room, that God actually moves upon our voices, that his spirit comes and his presence is released, and angels and demons are affected by the words of our mouth. I do want to, if you want to call it a disclaimer, I do want to make a really key point. I do not want anyone in this room to feel any condemnation. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. It says in Proverbs 24, 16, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get back up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. 
And what that means is that because we walk with the Lord, we may fall, we may stumble, and we may have weakness and failures. But it's the grace of God that causes us to rise up out of that sin and be free of it. It's the wicked one that does not follow God, that falls into their sin and dies in it. They stay in it. It brings disaster upon them. So I'm not saying we're not going to make mistakes. I'm not saying we don't have failures and we don't have weaknesses. But I am saying that it's the posture of your heart before the Lord. Is It's a constant pursuit after his heart. A constant pursuit after righteous living. In uh, Romans 6.12. Oh, Jesus, redeem the time. Romans 6.12 If you guys want to turn there, I'm going to just, I'm going to speak on that really quick. It's actually something Bethany taught me. She's preached it before, and I'm taking it as my own because I love it, and it's marked me. And um, so, so Romans 6, 12, it says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. And what Bethany has always said, and again, it just, it, it stuck with me, is it says, and right in verse 12, it says, therefore do not let sin reign. In verse 14, it says, it will not have dominion. And she put it this way of like, you know, reigning is like, like if you have a city, a, a city, right? A king reigns over that city. It dictates what happened. That king dictates what's happening in that city. It, it, it's the Lord over the city, right? It had, that king has dominion over the city. But what it's saying is it doesn't mean that sin's not going to come as, a, as an army against you trying to break down the walls of your city. It doesn't mean you're not going to get an attack. But what it is is we're not going to let it overcome and reign over us. And that's what we're fighting for. That's what we're striving for. That's what we're looking to God for, is that sin will not reign over us. We might fight against it. We'll have weaknesses. We're going to have to wage war against it. And there might be breaches in our wall that we have to repair, but we're not going to let sin come and have dominion over us. I just want to say that we don't live in habitual sin. We need to really fight against living in habitual sin that continues to pull us down. In Philippians, Paul said it wonderfully. He said, I am not yet perfect, but I press on because of the prize set before me. I have yet, I, I was actually texting, Beth's like texting me this morning, how are you doing? I'm like, ha. Ah not great. (laughs) And um, just feeling the tender, I mean, if you were at our prayer set last night, just the tenderness of God and his correction and just feeling it heavily, it hasn't left me yet, and I'm just feeling it and feeling unqualified of like, 
God, I do not even walk in the fullness of this. But I was reminded of what Paul said where he said, I've not been made perfect yet, but I'm pressing on. And that's what our our mindsets have to be. I'm not yet perfect. I'm weak, I'm broken, and I fail a lot. But I'm pressing on because there's a prize set before me that is greater than anything that this life can offer. So first, I want to talk about how we can actually walk out a lifestyle of righteousness, right? Daryl said it last week in his message in 1 Peter. I think it's 1 Peter. And he said, put away evil things from you. And I want to kind of semi go through what it actually looks like to put away these things. What that looks like as we walk it out in our day-to-day lives. And the first one I want to say is we need to walk in purity. Purity actually means to be free from adulteration or contamination. It means freedom from immorality, especially of a sexual nature. We possess no power if we ourselves are bound by the very same thing we're praying against. If we're praying, which we are as a community, if you're around us long enough, you're going to catch on. We are praying for the city of Boston to be awakened, to be awakened to the reality of God and the reality of who we are before God. And I want to say, if, you, if you've lived in Cambridge, if you've lived in this country, we are ridden with sexual immorality. You can't drive down the highway and not defile your eyes because of the billboards. I have a hard time watching TV with commercials. I feel defiled when I set my eyes on a commercial. We need an awakening of God, of what it means to walk in purity, that our spirits actually become sensitized to these things. We are so desensitized that we don't even register what's happening before us. And we need to be awakened of that. I want to say there's five gates, five gates of our wall that we must guard. And you could even reference it as a reminder of your five senses, right? Your heart, your eyes, your ears, your mouth, and your deeds. We need to guard our hearts, which is our thoughts, our minds. What are we meditating upon? What's going on in our mind? Are we believing lies or are we believing the truth? Our eyes, what are we looking at? What are we looking at? What are we setting our eyes upon? What are we saying that's okay for us to look at? In 2 Corinthians, it says, um, we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And what that principle is actually saying is that as we behold God, we look upon him, we become like him. If we're beholding sexual 
immorality, pornography, I mean, violence, let's get real. We sometimes think that, oh, this is okay, but that's not. And there's all these degrees. What are we setting our eyes upon? Because as we gaze upon it, we become what we look at. If we gaze upon God and we become like him as we look upon him, why would that principle not rest also? Our ears, what are we listening to? What's coming in to our, what are we allowing our ears to take in? Our mouths, what's coming out? What comes in must come out. And our deeds, our deeds display whom we worship. What we do and how we do it displays who are we worshiping. Are we worshiping ourselves? Are we worshiping God? You can see that reality in Matthew 5 where it says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. It's so that what, basically what it's saying is, is worship God in all that you do. Worship him. Because as you do this, men are going to see it and begin to glorify God as well. And we want to, we, and that's what I'm saying, going back to prayer, is we, we can't sit in a, in a room and pray, God, let your glory be known. Let your glory be seen in this city. But then go to our workplace, swearing, bad attitude, complaining. We have to exemplify Christ, that he would be glorified within our workplace, within our, our classrooms, amongst our peers, amongst our family. The second um, one I want to talk about is to seek relational wholeness. If you want to turn with me, Matthew 5, 23, 24. Christ gave us the message of reconciliation. He came to reconcile us to God. Therefore, he wants us to walk in that reality also. Reconciling with one another, but reconciling men to God also. Matthew 5, starting in verse 23. It says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. And I, what I'm saying with that is we've got to live in a posture of humility before our brothers and our sisters. We've got to be quick to forgive. I actually asked Will if I could use real. He actually was like, I don't know if that uh, example is going to work very well because it's so minute and petty. If you guys are around us, we all, Izzy, myself, Shalita, Will, we all room together. Uh, room. <laughs> Hear me. Will's on his own floor. <laughs> we got an apartment. We all um, live at the house of prayer. Glory. Um, <laughs> um, but we are all in, you know, 
close quarters with each other, living with one another. So we get to see the good, bad, and the ugly and all of the above of our attitudes and our day-to-day stuff. And uh, one time we actually went down to the philosophy building to pray one morning. And um, I had gone running also. And I was like, I'll meet you guys there. I'm going to go running, and then I'll meet you there, and I'll pray with you guys and whatnot. Well, Will, God bless him, wanted to do some filming. (laughs) This face doesn't go on camera without something on it. Let's just say that. Like, it does not happen. Um, So he's wanting to do filming. And I'm like, I'm not going to stand in that picture. I'm all set. There was only like four of us. I think it was Jin, Izzy, and me. It was when Jin lived with us. And we're all standing there. And so Will and I, if we can disagree, we want to disagree. Like, we just, we love to disagree with one another. Um, But, (laughs) oh, hang out with us. It's fun. Um... But we're all, we're all hanging out, and I'm like, I'm not going to be in that film. Well, Will's, you know, getting a little agitated with me of, like, why can't – I'm like, I'm in my jogging clothes. I'm not going to be in the film. I will be behind the camera. I will help you set up this picture. I'm not going to be in that picture. I'm in my jogging clothes. Well, for whatever reason, we both – like, both of our emotions just flared towards each other. And so whatever, we kind of move on, and I'm just like, oh. I'm not going to be like, don't you get it? I'm a girl. Don't you get it? Hello. <laughs> and so then we have to pray. I'm like, I'm irritated with you. Agree in prayer with you? Please. I don't like you. Trying to take pictures of me without my face on. It's not going to happen. So it actually taught me a lesson, and the reason why I'm using that example is because in that moment where all the four of us are just kind of huddled in front of the philosophy building praying, and I'm like, I'm not going to pray. I'm not praying. I'm frustrated. I'm not praying. And I'm like, you know, like, (laughs) and they're all praying. I'm like, I'll agree. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. (laughs) But then all of a sudden the Lord was like, if you have something against your brother, Leave your gift at the altar and go be reconciled. So we did. We worked it out. I'm like, yeah, I forgive you. And then we prayed after, and it was amazing. But I use that example as funny as it is and has, as petty as it is, is it really displays the, the place that we need to keep our hearts free from offense. We need to war against being offended with one another. As we grow in community, as we grow as a church, as we grow as a people here in Boston, I promise you, if it hasn't happened already, you will have an opportunity to be offended. Welcome to church. But what are we going to do in response? What's going to be the response of our heart? Because I want to go into the place of prayer. I want to stand before God free of offense. And I want to be able to pray with clarity. And I want the Lord to shift and change things in the heavenly places because of my prayer. That when I pray, the kingdom of God actually comes to earth. I do want to read this quote because I love it so much. It's by Thomas Akempis. He wrote the book, um, Imitation of Christ. It's kind of a devotional. He does little excerpts. I highly, again, recommend it. 
Um, but he said this quote, he said, Be not angry that you cannot make others as you wish to be, since you cannot make yourself as you wish to be. We have got to get our eyes off of what everyone else is doing or not doing. But we have to stand before God and go, I'm going to walk in obedience. That's the pursuit of my heart. And if we're all doing that, man, we would be like a rocking community. We would be a rocking people. We would actually carry the presence of God on us. Lastly is to live a life of devotion. I call this one the best for last because it's um, the, the pinnacle of what everything else flows out of is our, our devotion to the Lord, our devotion to his heart. An in- intercessor's lifestyle is born out of understanding that God wants to have a deep and intimate relationship with each one of us. He wants to be in continuous communication with us, and he wants to draw us close to him. Jesus himself, the Son of God, this is something we've, it's not something we haven't heard before, but Jesus himself separated himself. Time and time again, he fought the crowds to get alone. He fought the crowds he, got a, he constantly tried to separate himself because his purpose was to commune with God. His purpose was, I need you. I want to walk in a life of obedience. And in order for me to do that, I have to commune with you. I have to touch you. I have to know you. In Matthew 7, it says that many will enter the kingdom of God and say, Lord, Lord. But he will look at them and say, depart from me, for I did not know you. And the the person's response was, but I did this in your name, and I did that in your name. And he said, I didn't know you. We can do all of the religious duties, if you want to call it. We can do all of these things, but if our hearts are far from God. It means nothing. It's all in vain. It's all in vain. What does it say in Ecclesiastes? He goes through, what is it, like eight chapters where where he's constantly going, what's the point of life? It's all vanity. It's all chasing the wind. I strive and I work to gain money, to gain fortune, to fame. But in the end, we're all going to die. The rich man as well as the poor, we end up in the same place. So what's the point? And the very last verse in that book is follow the Lord and obey his commandments. Seek God in all that you do. Because that's the point of life. It's to commune with God. That's our ultimate vocation. If you guys want to turn with me to Acts 19, this one just, this one wrecked me when I read it. I was like, oh, Jesus, this is, I need this. We're going to start in verse 11. 
Okay, it says, now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exorcise you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest, who did, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. The Even the demonic realm knows who we are as we get in touch with Jesus. They didn't just, these spirits didn't respond and say, well, Jesus, I know, so therefore I'm going to run because these people are calling the name of Jesus. But they said, well, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know. They know Paul because Paul knows Jesus. I want to say that Jesus' name is not a magic word. When we call on the name of Jesus, to because I, I mean, I think I, I was listening to Bethany's sermon. And she was talking about, a, a, um, she was meeting with pastors, and one of the pastors had said, well, I haven't seen anyone walk by with their shadow healing somebody. And I started to think upon that, and I'm like, we don't have that reality. <laughs> like, and, we want, and I feel like we all want that reality. I, I desire, and, it, and, I, and I mourn over it when I see someone that has a disease, and I want to pray for them. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, I'll try. <laughs> but what it really comes down to is a relationship with Christ. Jesus' name is a representation of a relationship that we have with him. That when we, we know that when we call upon the name of Jesus, there's a history that actually gives us power and authority to go, I know Jesus, therefore you have to leave. If we don't know Jesus, we have no power. We have no authority. We've got to know Jesus. And I am going to use this example um, because Paul did, and he was a single man. I'm a single woman. I can use the example too. Um, He used the husband and wife example. Relationship takes work. It's not easy. And the closer you get with somebody, the harder it gets. Just like in a relationship with a husband and wife, we can enjoy our spouse amongst our friends. We can enjoy our spouse at a church meeting. We can have fun with our spouse. We can text our spouse when we're not with them. We can walk down the street and go, oh, that's my spouse's favorite flower. I love my spouse. (laughs) That just reminds me of my spouse. I love them. And, 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 and it warms our heart. It's true. 
And we can do that with God. We can do that with Jesus. We can enjoy Jesus with our friends. We can enjoy him at our workplaces. We can be driving to work and think of Jesus and talk to him. We can see things that remind him, remind us of him and warm our heart and, and, and uh, get us through the rest of the day. But just like with a husband and wife, there is something special about having intimate, quality time with one another. And it's the same with Jesus. We must have intimate, quality time, just Jesus and me. It helps me get to know him more. It reveals who I am more. And it gives me the strength to get through the day should see me in the morning when I wake up. I'm like, run to the bathroom, come back out. Bye, go back in my room. Like, don't look at me until I get this thing on with Jesus first because I'm not a morning person, first of all. But that time is so important. And I, I just want to say that that takes self-discipline. It takes, it's a fight. It's a fight. I've called Bethany crying over the years. Of, I can't figure out this thing. I just like fighting in my schedule, trying to figure out I've got to put Jesus in. He's my priority, so why would he not be priority in my schedule? My friends aren't priority. They're all going to leave and die one day. I mean, come on. I mean, I'm going to spend the rest of eternity with Jesus. I hope you all are there. But my goal is to be with Jesus in eternity, not you guys. So if we're making priority in time for our friends, why would we not make priority in time for the one who is the savior of our soul, who we desire to spend eternity with? Eternity starts now. It doesn't start when we die and oh, when we get there. It starts now. We can bring heaven on earth now. We can enter in to the worship that the angels are in right now. We don't have to wait. So why are we squandering our time? Why do we squander our time for a bowl of soup? temporary pleasures that are fleeting. And I'm going to wrap up right now. We don't, I just want to say, I'm just going to end with this. The secret places of our lives need to be lived out in honesty before the Lord. War for it. Fight for it. Strive for it. The grace of God is sufficient. I don't want to be a people like the, you know, the Pharisees. They stood on street corners and they wanted all the high places and they rattled off big words and theological things and big prayers, but their hearts were dead. It was, Jesus said, dead men's bones were inside of them. You can wash the outside of the cup, but if the inside 
is unclean, then it makes the whole cup unclean. We can sit in a prayer room. Don't stop going to a prayer room. (laughs) Prayer room has changed my life. It's actually provoked me to create private time with the Lord. It's it's what's provoked me to that place. Because what I was experiencing in the prayer room, I was like, ooh, I don't experience this anywhere else. And it says that I can, so why not give it a try? And uh, continue going to a prayer room. But what I do want to say is don't let your heart be far from the prayers that you're praying. Let your life constantly strive. I think Noah even prayed into it where earlier where he said, um, you know, we can, we can go and, and pray these prayers, but it means nothing if our lives are not in alignment with it. I'm just going to pray real quick. Yes. (laughs) I'm going to pray. I just even actually want to encourage us all to just get on our knees before the Lord. I'm going to do something a little unconventional. We can have altar calls. We can ask for people to pray over us. But there's something that we have to decide within our hearts and before the Lord. Father, we just come before you right now and say that we desire the activity of your spirit in our lives. God, we don't want to be as the Pharisee, Lord, that did all the rituals and all the religious duties, but God, their hearts were so far from you. God, we say we want to be near to your heart. We want to be close to you, Jesus. God, that's what it's all about is to be with you. And Lord, we just even come before you and we lower ourselves before you. God, we humble ourselves before you. Say we are weak and we are broken. God, we fail so often. But God, you promised in your word that your grace is sufficient to carry us through. God, that we would be able to say in our weakness we boast. God, right now, Lord, we just posture ourselves before you and say our dependency is on you, Jesus. God, we want to live lives of purity and righteousness, guarding our gates. God, we want to remain free from offense. Lord, we lay all offense down before you. God, all the, God, the agreement that we've been in with the accuser of the brethren, Father, we repent. God, and we want to be in agreement with you. And Lord, we also ask, God, that we would live lives of devotion before you, God, lives of worship and adoration. God, that in what we say and what we do, Lord, would reflect a life of worship before you. 
God, we desire to see your kingdom come. Last night at prayer, we, uh, we took this posture before God that we, you know, we recognize that positionally we stand. This is what we prayed for last night. We prayed for the embodiment of this thing, that from the pulpits of Boston would come this type of message again. Peter Kim said it perfectly last night to me. He said, we can preach for a year on, on the love of God and the acceptance of God, and we will not even begin to touch and exhaust the revelation of that. Uh, but there, we believe that there is coming, you know, because that is the most prevalent message right now. The righteousness by faith alone, positionally you stand, receive, not by any merit, not by any merit of anything that we do or accomplish in our own works, our own ability to live up to a certain standard with God. But we are standing before God and accepted because of the cross, because of the of righteousness of Jesus. And it's so important. But there's this other aspect that's so valuable. And I feel like there's such a uh, depreciation of this. or there's such We're deprived right now in American culture of this type of message, which is sanctification. The outworking, the manifestation of the position that we have. And I feel, and we've been crying out for this, very, this, this type of message that, that God would reach the church. He would reach our ears and he would call us to this lifestyle. That what was all through the New Testament. That which thing, everybody, when they hear it, they say Old Testament, Old Testament. But the reality is it's New Testament. God's calling you to be holy as he's holy. And uh, this is the call that we need in our day. There, we're in a time in history like no other where we need to hear the type of message of setting your life apart for God, for giving everything you have for the one that gave everything for you. And I just want to encourage you, Crystal, thank you for being bold and bringing that word. And the grace of God was on it. But let's respond. Let's open our ears. Let's not be uh, caught up in our own, because um, I know this type of word can sometimes prick certain uh, places in our heart that cause walls. Um, but I just feel the Holy Spirit in such a strong way uh, releasing grace in this room to hear. Grace to hear the Word of God. And I, guys, we're believing this for all over the city of Boston, ultimately in every church in the world, right? But we, we're in our region, we're believing that God is encountering services, even this morning with this type of reality, that there would be boldness in the, in the pulpits again, that people wouldn't be swayed by popular opinion or, or some... Uh, you know, trendy type of uh, message that will bring in crowds. We're looking for the manifestation of Jesus in his body, a pure and spotless bride being raised up in the end of the age. And I just want to, uh, I just want to ask God to just stamp this thing. I think he's doing it, but I just wanted to just kind of bring some, some insight there. And then let's just open our hands. If this is something in you, even if you feel like some, some resistance, you know, like I, I understand that place, I've been there. Uh, just, but if you're willing, if there's agreement in your heart for this message, I encourage you, open your hands, open your heart. Let's take a second, then we're just going to pray into it, and then Daryl's got something to share here. Oh, Jesus, you're so kind. God, it's, it really is your kindness that leads us into this very thing. God, it's your kindness that leads us in to our hearts being provoked to give everything to you, Jesus. You are so worthy. And just like last night, God, how you feel like you spoke to us, God. It's so, we, 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 we focus so much on what we feel like we're going to lose in the gray areas. But, God, it's so much about what we can gain in you, God. The levels of freedom and the levels of, of, of clarity and disillusionment and depression and anxiety and worry and fear. These things getting broken off as we come into communion and fellowship with you to greater levels where we cut off these, these scapegoats, these things on the side that we feel like give us relief but really 
or avenues into our soul to, to just fear and torment or, or falsely trying to fulfill the dream of God for our life. So Lord, I just pray, God, fresh revelation on this message of sanctification, setting your life apart, God. God, every false idea from the enemy, from our soul, from the flesh, from any other avenue, any other pulpit, God, that would try to come against this message with some fancy way, God, I just pray, Lord, let your Holy Spirit mark this word tonight, God. God, not only that our our lives would be changed, but God, Lord, this message would become a mark of our lives where we'd speak it. God, we'd live it, we'd reveal it everywhere we go. We'd be truly your ambassadors with the ministry, the authority of reconciliation upon our life, God. Tonight, God, mark hearts, God. God, we're looking for the bigger thing, God. We're looking for the bigger thing, God. We're looking for the outpouring of your spirit, God. The revelation of the sons and daughters. What everybody's eagerly waiting for, God. We're, we're hungering for that in a real sincere way, Jesus, before you. People connecting with this thing? Amen. Uh, The Bible says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We want to be used to doing this now to prepare us for that day when the saints and those who did not choose Christ are going to bow to Jesus. It's really just an act of humility. Lord, I pray above all else, Lord, that you'd make us a humble people. Make us a humble people, God. Humility, Lord, does not boast itself. Does not put up walls when the truth comes in. But fully receives and responds correctly, Lord. Make us a people who are forever living on our knees before you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you didn't get on your knees, I'm sorry, but you can stand now. I just want to read one verse, and then we're going to conclude this thing. But I also want to share just something that happened in the prayer room recently with a group of fellas that encourages my heart and makes me jealous even. So I wish it was my experience, but it wasn't. But I I want them to share it because I want our faith to be built, but also I want to just prepare us, I think, for where we're going as we... Carve out these hours in prayer and seek the Lord. Is everybody okay with that? A scripture verse that came to my mind when Chris was preaching, it says, I beseech you, in Romans 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, what? As living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is what? Your responsible service. <laughs> or reasonable service, depending on your translation. Number two, a verse two, I'm sorry, it says, do not be conformed, what, to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may, what, prove, what, we got to prove something, what is good and acceptable unto the perfect will of God. You know, all this type of teaching is to do one thing I believe, it's to transform this. I believe that in the church today, In our hearts, in our minds, there needs to be a transformation of our mind, how we approach God, how we approach the Word of God. And so I I love it that we're raising up young people now that are trumpeting the message of Bethany. 
or the message of me, it just excites me. And I never want us, Hilltop, as a church to get jaded. This is the Word of God. We can debate many things, but when it comes to the Word of God, it's hard. There's a fine line that needs to be walked. This is not condemnation, but this is freedom. <laughs> Let me say that again. This isn't condemnation, but this is freedom. And so, Crystal, I just encourage you. I appreciate, I love what God's doing in your heart. Just so you know, and you don't come to me after service, we are pro-women preaching behind the pulpit. Um, yeah. We just, yeah, you know, it's just, we, we really need to give ourselves to the study of Paul's message uh, when he did confront that particular issue and kind of just understand the type of women that Paul was addressing. Um, but that's another sermon for another day. Just don't come to me afterwards. You'll be hearing a lot more from Crystal, a lot more from my wife. It's just the way it's going to be. It's the way it will forever be. Listen, there's plenty of churches in New England that aren't for it. So you can find one. There's plenty in the Boston area. I say that with all grace and mercy, but you might just... You know, if the Lord doesn't work in your heart. Can I have John Cho and Matthew come up here? Just two more seconds. Is that okay? Is that okay? Matthew and John Cho. I asked, uh, I don't know if I asked John, but that's okay. He's leaving soon. So, No, just kidding. Come on up. <laughs> oh, man, give me a hug. So first, I'm going to have John share something that he, I think, bore witness to in the prayer room. He leads our Saturday morning set. 632 uh, 8. Um, and I want to just have him share on what he was hearing. You know, you hear from God these days. You know, it's still all right. You, you can hear from God what he was hearing during his prayer set. And then I want to go into what actually took place this morning in Annie and Matthew's time in prayer at Jeha. Uh, so this is just the precursor to the, the big story here. Um, so it was actually last Saturday night prayer set. I've never had this conviction before, but I was just praying, and I just felt like the Lord's joy present in the prayer room through angels specifically. And I felt like just the presence of angels just going back and forth over our prayers, and it was just the most powerful thing. Um, and, you know, again, like angels, that's something that a lot of churches in the Northeast would back away from. Um, and, and, but if you just look through Scripture, the angels are our ministers. They're ministering to us. They're ministers of fire. Um, so, I mean, but it's the first time that I've really thought of this kind of thing. Just out of nowhere, I was like, there's definitely angels just here taking delight in our worship. Um, and so that's just the intro. <laughs> so this happened Saturday morning. No, Saturday night. Saturday night. Okay, Saturday night. And then now Matthew has a time of prayer, him and Annie, this morning, close set. Uh, uh, but they're having a time of worship. Annie's leaning on the guitar. Tell us what happened. So uh, me and Annie have been doing a closed set for about two months, and we were just kind of frustrated because our sets were just kind of dead. And, uh, <laughs> and Annie was like, I don't want to do this with you anymore. I was like, <laughs> So I told her, I was like, all right, we'll just put on Pandora and uh, let Will Reagan play and, you know, let that thing go on. And, uh, this morning, I was like, Annie, let's pick up some instruments. And uh, she was like, all right. So she started coming back with me. And uh, we just began to worship. And, like, I've, I haven't experienced this much freedom in worship in such a long time. And it was just, like, electrified. And as we're worshiping and as we're praying, 
we start to hear angelic voices. Now, mind you, I've never heard, like, I've heard testimonies. I'm just like, all right, that is far off the curve. That is crazy. And I don't know if I believe that, but this morning, we were, after our set, like, we didn't even have time to really address it during the set. And so after I said, we were talking, and he was like, did you hear? She was like, when, you, when we were playing, did you hear, like, like, a thousand other people singing? I was like, yeah, I thought it was in my head. And she was like, no. <laughs> and, so, and so, yeah. And so during the set, like, we are just weeping. Like, she is weeping. I'm weeping. We're like, what is going on? And we were actually meeting with Noah and Bella for breakfast. We were like, I don't know if we should leave. Like, this is so good. But I just encourage you, like, even if you feel like, Lord, I feel disconnected. Lord, I feel like I'm not connecting with you in worship. I, last, actually, last Sunday, he told me, wait in this place. Come in this place and wait. Do not remove yourself from this place. So I just encourage you, like, if you are not feeling the Lord in your prayer, so you're not feeling the Lord in your quiet time, don't remove yourself from the place of prayer because he'll meet you there. Amen. Hold on. Come here. Come here. Just tell the story. It's good. No, it was actually Jin and I. Jin, I'm like, I come out of my room because I'm in my room playing music, right whatever, the right above the prayer room. And I come out and Jin's sitting on I'm like, what's that sound? And, I'm, and it was just this big, loud sound. And I literally thought, I'm like, it sounds like there's like a, I was, because I knew you guys had a closed set. And I'm like, they must have invited people to their set or something. Because it was so loud. And Jin's like, I don't know. I thought that was you. And I was like, no, it ain't me. It is not me. Okay, so unbeknownst to me, I guess, let's share. Well, no, and then I was like, who has that gym bag going? I can't go to sleep because I was supposed to go to sleep. And then me and Isabel was like, is there like 25 people down there? Like, when it, I said, and I said, and I said, oh, it's an open set now, Matt? Oh, really, though? And, but, no, me and Allegra on Tuesday, we recorded our prayer set, and this was Tuesday. I don't know what happened Saturday, but on Tuesday, we heard voices, and we heard harmonies, and we never heard. That was, like, the best prayer set ever, and I keep listening to it every day. I actually listen to it going to sleep, and I was like, that's not my voice. Like, what is it? Like, it's crazy. Take from it what you will. I'm not... I'm not too much of a crazy charismatic, although I am <laughs> a little bit. But, uh, I mean, there's been some explosive times in that room of worship and prayer. And uh, I think that the veil is just getting thinner. You know, you're just, I remember two stories quickly. And these are exciting. I got goosebumps. I love it, man. God, I'm so jealous because it didn't happen in our set. But last, uh, this Saturday was an explosive time of worship, just that even if we didn't hear angels, you just feel like, you know, there's just like worship that you're trying to get in, and there's worship you're just like, whoa, we're just in, you know, we're in somewhere, I don't know, it's easy, it's effort, effortless, and it's just powerful, but um, two things, uh, one is that uh, back in Brentwood, New Hampshire, a place where me and Bethany, just to build our faith. And it, this stuff is real. And again, I want to, I very rarely share stuff like this, but I was about 19 and we had this little worship band over there in this gymnasium, hundreds of youth. And we're doing youth service, you know, and um, similarly, like it is at J-Hump, uh, we had this time of worship. And, um, you know, we were a praying community. We had Bethany and she was, you know, she 
was making sure we prayed, and, and it was good. So but we were a praying community. Uh, but, man, we had this time of worship, I just remember. And, and you understand, the guys that I had at the time were really young. None of us ever had any kind of grid for this type of thing. But we were worshiping, 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 worshiping. All of a sudden, it seemed like the myriad of voices started coming on the backs of our songs. And it would be in times of open worship. I remember my drummer, which he at the time was probably the most spiritual dead person that I know. I mean, just, I, I say that kindly, but he would admit to it himself. He, he had no grid for God. You know, he just could play some drums, and but we were trying to work on him. But he, I remember him perking up and saying, what is that? What is that? And you just heard the swell of voices. Guys, this stuff is real. This stuff is real. It's, it's, I love what John says. You know, the Bible talks about this stuff. We, we're not glorifying angels here. We're glorifying the one who, if, of which the angels themselves glorify. <laughs> Who's to say they can't come into the times of worship that we have? I want more of it. We want more of it. God, we just ask in those prayer sets, the ones, the twos, Lord, those big Saturday meetings, God, we ask, Lord, that your angelic host would come and sing with us. Take over the worship service. I remember uh, uh, Will's dad encouraging us not to settle for just a, on his deathbed. He's dying of cancer. And he says to me and Will, he says, guys, don't settle for just a marginal worship experience. This is what I want you to settle for. And he started playing these tapes of Rodney Howard Brown's worship service where angels would just start singing. And God, we want that, God. We don't just want to have nice music, Lord. We want to entertain heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.